0: Matthew chapter 27, and let's begin the reading at verse 15. The paragraph in your Bibles is a little different than mine at home. Matthew 27, page 991 and the Bibles, I think, are your bench Bibles. Beginning at verse 15. Now at the feast... Passover, spring feast, early April, we think, the year Jesus died. At the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment, Caesar's wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. So Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who's called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they all shouted all the more, let him be crucified. to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they put a reed in his right hand And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. These are the very words of God. I want you to know where the message is going this morning. Two points to it. The first one is Jesus crucified under Pontius Pilate. The Apostles' Creed says Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. The second being Jesus crucified for me. But in these two points, I have something deeper that I'd like to happen this morning and stick with you well beyond today and even the week ahead and for the rest of your life. As I became an older minister, I always, in the season we're in, passion season, going toward Good Friday, I always had a sermon series on Jesus' suffering because when I grew up, The season was ignored, and I came once to understand the importance of why some people remember this season in a special way on a level that caused me to deeply appreciate. So let me explain a minute, and then I'll get right into the two points. I look out the window there, and I see a telephone pole. Now, the one I see doesn't quite stick up over the top like the cross behind me, but I'm sure you've all been in the country and seen rows of these telephone poles. And we came in on Main Street this morning and they're replacing the cross like poles actually with taller ones. Think about that for just a minute, these poles. We go by them and hardly notice them. Yet there's much we could appreciate about them. They came from trees. Trees had to be cut down, stripped of their branches. You needed certain kind of trees, tall trees, straight trees. And then a crossbeam was put on, the electrical wires were strung up. I had a church member once who was electrocuted, they said, by the electrical works they put up. By the time I got to the hospital, they said, no, he's alive. There was a heartbeat, and he lived, of all things. But look at all of the work that we could appreciate behind those poles. And then the poles are put in the ground, and we drive by those poles, hardly noticing. Here's what I'd like you to do this morning as we consider Jesus suffering under Pilate and for us. And that's come to an appreciation, maybe a new, but deeper, about Jesus' suffering. Now that word appreciation, let me... Just take the minute to add a little more. By appreciation, I mean you really care that he suffered. And you empathize along with, you feel along with. And I'll suggest that in some ways, when we talk about sermons as ex, you know, uh, explanation and application, the highest purpose is appreciation. So please appreciate what you're going to hear about in the next minutes. That said, point one, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Actually, Jesus suffered his whole life. I'll only mention two things prior to Pilate. One, Jesus was condemned to death by capital punishment four different times during his life. I don't know of anyone else in history who was condemned to capital punishment more than once. Certainly not four times. What are the four? Jesus' incarnation. God assigned him to capital punishment for sin that will take place on the cross. Two, King Herod, when he was born, tried to kill Jesus by killing Bethlehem babies. Number three, the Jews condemned him to capital punishment. That's why they had to go to Pilate. They couldn't do it on their own. And number four, you heard it in the text, Pilate condemned him to die by capital punishment. Wow. And then just one instance from Jesus' ministry. He fed 5,000 people. Miracle. And the people said, Wow, we like free food. John 6, you read about it. We're happy with this Happy Meal Jesus, if I can put it in modern terms. Uh, Do it again. Jesus said, no, it was once in order to be a sign of a point I want to make that's more important. I am the bread of life. I'm God-given like manna in the wilderness. I can satisfy you, not till you get hungry again, but forever. I'm food that will result in life after death and all eternity, not just food you can eat or your stomach can digest it. And the people said, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, goodbye. And most of them walked away from him. Again, if you want more details, read John 6. Some got the point, Peter speaking for the disciples and maybe a few others said, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, they went from him, most of them. Now, I don't want you to walk out on me this morning. You're too nice. But if you would all get up and walk out, I'd suffer terribly in my feelings. And that's what Jesus suffered. The same one who was condemned to death four times. And then we come to Jesus on his last evening. Gethsemane. We're told in Luke that he prayed and so much so that there was great drops of sweat like blood falling from his tears to the ground. Some commentators say you can be in so much agony that you break blood vessels. Maybe that was happening. I don't know, but I'm going to quote you one sentence here. Luke 22:44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's suffering. And then Jesus was betrayed by one of his 12 select, disciples do any of you know betrayal by loved ones spouses children associates it isn't nice you suffer Jesus suffered betrayal and then arrest the Jewish temple police came forward and arrested him and then Jesus suffered a Jewish trial by the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, or Hedrin. Spent some time this week trying to figure what they had against him. And it sounds like several things. It says they couldn't get witnesses to agree on what Jesus had done wrong. But he supposedly did some bad things. He wasn't a Pharisee or Sadducee, an in-group member. He predicted the destruction of the temple, the center of their worship, which happened in 70, but they didn't like that. They figured he was a pretend prophet, false prophet, and most of all, he claimed to be the Messiah they wanted, but he didn't lead an army in conquering Rome like they wanted Messiah to do. So they were really down on Jesus. They manhandled him and mocked him, probably had him awake all night. And then the next morning, Jesus' suffering continued because he was put on trial by Pontius Pilate. Now the Jews knew that the only charge against them, whatever those charges were, that would make an impression on Pilate was that Jesus would be a political leader who rebelled against Rome. And so what? that's what they bought, brought before Pilate. They said he claims to be a king. Watch out, Pilate. He might get an army against you. Watch out, Rome, he might rebel against you. That made an impression on Pilate. And yet Pilate was discerning enough to know that the real crime here wasn't by Jesus. It was by the Jewish leaders, and Jesus was really innocent, at least to the charges they brought against him. So Pilate did a bunch of him-hawing around. And that's where we come to some of the things we read. And let me pull up the Bible here and note a few of those things for you. One, Pilate said, should I release Jesus or this man called Barabbas? Some commentaries say his name was Jesus Barabbas, but I can't verify that, so I won't say that to you, but he was clearly called, as he is here, a criminal. And they say to Pilate, give us Barabbas, the criminal, and condemn Christ, Jesus Christ, as a criminal. And not only that, Condemn him to crucifixion. We can't crucify, but you can. Crucifixion was the most cruel, elongated way to kill in human history. But crucifixion is not our subject today, so I won't linger on that. We'll linger on Pilate and the condemnation under Pilate. And so here are these Jewish leaders, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate says, why, what's he done? They shout, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate says, all right, but I'm innocent of it. Pilate was probably trying to excuse himself for Calm is guilty conscience. I'm innocent. That's verse 24. See to it yourselves. People say his blood be on us. So Pilate released Barabbas. And having scourged, Jesus suffered scourging. Now a a slight parenthesis here. I often speak with my hand motions. I'm on purpose not doing it today, because I have to stick close to the pulpit. But I never make a threatening motion toward the congregation. I don't do that. So I'm going to turn my back on you for just a minute and make a hand motion. Thirty-nine times is what the scourging was. Whipping someone with a whip, often with sharp pieces of bone or something in the whip. Thirty-nine times. Why thirty-nine? It's considered to be a little less than killing, but almost killing. Pilate could have just put Jesus on the cross, but he had him... Scourged, broken, bleeding back that will hang on the cross. And then notice again what follows, and I'm going to repeat myself this morning here. I'd like you above all to appreciate as a result of this sermon. Back to the text, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him. You want someone to do that to you this morning. And put a scarlet robe on him. That's purple, the color of royalty, because the charge was he is a king who could rebel against Roman Caesar. Put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns. Imagine a bramble bush. Some of you have scratched yourself on them, probably. So they twist together brambles, thorns, put the crown on his head, pound, pound, pound down. You think that didn't hurt? Jesus suffered and put a reed in his right hand. What's that about? Kings have a scepter, typically. The reed is like those big reeds we see with the brown things on top at this time of year. A reed as if it were a scepter, and those reeds can break easy. They are mocking King Jesus. Put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him. Sure, the kneeling is mocking him with a crown of thorns and a reed in his hand. But kneeling as if he were a king and they were doing obeisance. Kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! See how that follows from the crown and the reed? Hail, King of the Jews! And if that isn't enough for a they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, notice several uses of that word mocking him, they stripped him of his robe, put on his own clothes, and led him away to crucify him. They lead him down what is called the way of sorrows, the via dolorosa, where Jesus' suffering continues to the point where he just falls down helpless, even though he's a man in his 30s. And then someone else carries a cross for Jesus. And then they nail him to that cross and hang him up. That's Jesus' suffering under Pontius Pilate. Now the second point of the sermon Jesus suffered for me. Very important. He suffered under Pontius Pilate for me. Consider a minute, Pilate. Does Pilate stand for God? Pilate sure does. He's the one who (sighs) condemns Jesus to death the fourth, as we said earlier, such condemnation in place of God at the incarnation. Does Pilate stand for the devil and demons and evil? Yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for Judas Iscariot, the betrayer? Yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for the 11 disciples who chickened out and ran away? When Jesus was arrested, yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for the people Jesus ministered to over 30 years, over, I'm sorry, 33 years? Yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for the Jewish religious leaders who hated Jesus so much, Annas, Caiaphas, the prosecutors, the Sanhedrin? Yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for the fickle Jewish Passover crowd? Oh, yes, he does. Does Pilate stand for the mob at Pilate's judgment hall? Yes. Does Pilate stand for the Roman government? You bet he does. That was the charge that made an impression on Pilate, that Jesus was a king who'd rebel against Rome. Does Pilate stand for the Roman soldiers? Whose orders from Pilate were carried out in the most cruel way to increase Jesus' suffering? Yes. And does Pilate stand for Barabbas, the man who was guilty but called innocent? You bet he does. And then one more question Does Pilate stand for you and me? Yes, he does. We have senators and representatives who represent us in Washington, D.C., and are making decisions now, some of which some of you may agree with and others disagree with, but they represent us. And Pilate is our representative, too. And in that sense, we as humans are among all humans who shall crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate says, Okay, crucifixion for Jesus. Now, Jesus will be crucified, and his crucifixion will bring salvation for us. I want to say that because even a a predominantly negative sermon like this in Passion Season, I don't want to be all negative. I want to tell you about a newly published book. I just read it in the last couple weeks. It's by Bo Wise, written with Tom Saletto, entitled Three Wise Men a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, and how their Marine brother became a war's sole survivor. The title will tell you where it's going. These were tough men. They loved the United States. Three brothers. The oldest of the three was a Navy SEAL. All were in very specialized military service that only the best could make it in. A Navy SEAL, and they were overseas in one of these places like Iran, Afghanistan, or wherever. And one day he went with a couple others to meet a native they trusted. And when they met the native, the native pulled in his vest and was a suicide bomber. A bomb went off, the oldest boy died. Sometime later, the second oldest boy, a green beret, again, very specialized soldier, was attacking an enemy stronghold in a cave. And there were more people in the cave than the attackers guessed. And the native army, who was with the American, turned and hightailed it, leaving the American brother exposed. He was shot multiple times and died. Two men in the same family giving their lives for America. The third brother was also in the service, and he was a Marine, again, a very specialized group. The military went to this man and the Marine, and they said, not you two. Your brothers gave their life for you. You get the benefits. This was Bo who wrote the book. The military took Bo out of the service, gave him all the privileges of a faithful Marine, and um, meaning pension, right, to be treated at military hospitals and a lot more, too, I'm sure, and said, you're finished in the service. They died for you. You don't have to die. That book pictured for me a little bit how Jesus' suffering took him all the way to the cross, and there on the cross, Jesus did it for me. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate for me, for you. Appreciate it. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing, rude, in my place. Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, helpless, lost we were. Blameless Lamb of God was he, sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He was lifted up to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah. What a Savior. When he comes, our glorious king, all his ransomed home to bring. Then anew, this song will sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. If you go on your way, appreciating and being able to sing along, hallelujah, what a Savior. Wonderful. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And in this season approaching Palm Sunday with Friday, the hanging on the cross in this season, to think about things seasonal and focus on Jesus. Thank you for this privilege of worship. Hear our prayer. For Jesus' sake, amen.